0: Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. And we're back with the Costello Coaching Podcast. I'm Tommy Costello with my good friend, Thomas DeLauer. Um, We did a podcast more centered around nutrition, uh, which which is great. Tons of information, tons of valuable information for the people that I coach and the people that are in my circle. Now, this one's a little selfish. Um, I look at you um, known your content for a while. Uh, we grew a friendship probably over the last two years, 18 months. Um, and there's so much about your life that I actually admire and look up to. First off, I think you're really courageous, um, to go against the grain in terms of what's normal and to find your own success and find your own path takes a really courageous person. And that is your courage in going after and creating something out of nothing is what I admire. And then getting to know you and understand kind of how you built this business to really set up for your life and what you wanted for your life in terms of your family, your wife, your kids, that's next level stuff for me. And with me knowing myself, I'm constantly trying to surround myself with people that are a few years ahead of me. I think you're 10 years older than me. Are you 35, 36? Yeah. Yeah. So you're 10 years older than me. um, And you've gone out, you've done something on your own. You went against the grain uh, and did something that wasn't really even a thing when you started doing it. Then you travel, your kids are always with you. You control your schedule and you're making an incredible impact on millions of people every single week, every single day. It's something that I am just really holding the highest regard. And so for me, I know that takes a unique individual and it takes a unique mindset because not everyone's like that. And so for me, what I really want to understand from you is at the deepest rooted part, what what motivates you to live that unique life? Uh, I have no problem saying
1: that, like, it's a constant fear of failure and a constant fear of loss. And, like, it's not the sexiest thing to say um, because, you know, just like anything, like when you... I don't know, my original business mentor had always told me that, like, the most successful people are the ones that are the ducks. And I was like, what's the what are the ducks? And he's like, those are the people that, like, are floating on top of the water. But if you actually looked underneath the water, they're frantically paddling those little webbed feet and just... It looks super calm on the surface, on that glassy surface of water, but underneath it's just fucking chaos, right? And uh, or it, there's this thing that he also taught me that was called uh, imposter syndrome. Mm. And imposter syndrome is where you have a level of success, but you're constantly afraid that the other shoe is going to drop and everyone's going to find out that you're an imposter. It is humility and sort of humbleness at its core, really, because like I don't think of myself as anything special. And like I don't necessarily feel like I deserve to be where I'm at. Not to say like that in like a self-deprecating way, but I feel like um, I, it took me until recently to understand that like what has made me different is not the fact that like I necessarily work harder. I feel like my brain is wired a little bit different in the sense that like how I look at things is different. How I approach things is different, which is why it never really felt like hard work. Hard work was just like how I had to survive and it was like my homeostasis so it's it's really tough to like kind of come back to that original question without like really saying like it's a very non-motivating answer when it's like fear of loss the more that you build the more that you fear losing it right Mm -hmm. and that's like sheer vulnerability to be honest with that like that eventually you get yourself into a position where you are in enough control where you don't feel like it's a fear of loss. And that is a constant evolution of myself that I'm trying to learn, right? And my therapist had told me, it's not about being driven. It's about being able to drive yourself. Mm. So being driven is actually like what has gotten me to a level of success. Sure being driven, but you're being driven by something else. Something else is driving you in the literal sense of being driven. That word, I am driven. You have a chauffeur driving you. You are not in control, Mm. but I want to drive myself. Right? So sort of this next stage of my life and kind of where I've been the last couple of years has been in the process of being like, okay, no longer want this fear of loss to be what drives me. Like I want to be in control in the driver's seat and get rid of that fear of loss. Because if you are in control, there's no fear of loss. You're in control.
0: Yeah. Who helped you make that shift?
1: You know, one of the, it was probably my original CEO, um, Ryan Scott, who was back when I was like healthcare recruiting that initially planted that seed. He's the one that told me the whole duck thing. Right. And I still stay in touch with him and he probably doesn't even like me that much because like (laughs) I quit that job randomly one day. And I remember him saying like, Thomas, I found like 19 different versions of your resume on your computer. Like, I know you were looking for another job, like, you know, but at the same time, like we still touch base with each other. He's still proud of me to a certain degree. And he's like always kind of said little things, um, that have kind of helped me to realize like what it means to be a man, what it means to be like a successful business person. So even to this day, even though he's not like actively involved in my life, like he is still someone that I like really am just indebted to. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife has really been the one that's like encouraged me without even knowing it to make these shifts in my life. Right. Mm. And then of course my kids, like my kids have had such an impact on me to be like, like, I can't, like I have to be in control of this situation. I have to be able to build a life that doesn't just set them up for success, but teaches them how to actually fish and how to actually do this. Mm. And it's changed. Like if they just see dad just like slaving away, but making a lot of money, like when yeah. their kids, like the only thing they see out of that. Is more toys and fancy things, like they, you know what I mean? They or all, are you they, gone? Yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't teach them <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah, I want to teach them that like success isn't about money. Success is more about like being able to craft the life that allows you to like have the time to spend with your kids and have the like I would forego income any day for time. Like that is totally. So that shift Can't in buy my it. mindset has just been it's been everything for me.
0: So in when I asked you what motivated you, it, it was more of like a, a, a survive mentality yeah. rather than motivate um, for you. How do you consciously make that shift from survive to thrive?
1: Yeah. From survive to thrive, it comes down into, well, first identifying like what your real passion is. Mm-hmm. Like what is, what's your real like guttural driving force? <clears throat> what's your real guttural driving force with what you do every day? Um, I can tell you if it's money, it's, it is always going to be about survival because if you're focused on a, on a number, that number is never going to be enough. Yep. It's It's always changing. It's always going to be survival because, Oh, it needs to be a million. It needs to be 5 million. It needs to be 10 million. It needs to be a hundred million. It needs to be a billion, you know? So it needs to really be like for me to be able to thrive. It needs to truly be about impact. Mm -hmm. And I would be lying if I were to say that it was just about impacting other people. Like I want to change the world. I do but like I want to be able to directly impact my family. Like I'm a very realistic person when I look at that. And I'm like, although maybe I'm not shooting for the moon by saying, like, no, I want to directly impact my family the most, sure. I don't view it like that. Yeah. I don't view like if I can like create a fine young gentleman that wants to go out and change the world, he's gonna have more resources, he's gonna be five times smarter than me, and he's gonna have way more technology at his fingertips. If I can arm him, my son and my daughter, with what they need to be able to like make huge, huge plays in this world, that's going to be the best chance I have at changing the world. If I want to change the world today, I can release a video that changes people's minds on a given subject. I can do that. I could start getting into politics and start doing something, but either way, my impact is probably not going to start to rear its head until Mm -hmm. it's important for the next generation anyway. So why don't I start grooming him to be a happy young man and my daughter to be like a fine young lady that just wants to do good in the world versus just a self-serving mentality that a lot of kids have. And, uh, I don't know, it's a good segue into, you know, sports and all that too, because I feel like that gives kids a focus and a drive and I like all these things. Like, yeah, that's just the most important thing for me. Is like, how do I carve out this for my family? Not try to like make the biggest impact on the world at this very
0: moment. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And what I say, um, to the kids that I coach and, and, the, the adults that I coach uh, regarding sport is sports are the mechanism in which we learn life. And it's, it's in that sport that you're learning so much about yourself. Um, and if you're not focused on that and you don't have that kind of perspective, or if you don't have that ability to shift and look at it and reframe the situation away from your result and shift it to, okay, what did I learn about myself here? Uh, that is, that is the difference maker. And so kids in sports and kids going through any level of adversity regarding that is where you learn about yourself and you learn, okay, if I want to accomplish this, that's what it's going to take in order to accomplish it. Um, if I failed in this situation, okay, this is the way I think about failure and this is the way I move past it. And I, I think about myself a lot in this and where I've grown in the last 10 years, Uh, is just understanding my perspective in the way I look at situations. I felt like something that was so challenging for me to overcome now is a simpler hurdle. And with a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at it, I can make that adjustment and I can overcome that hurdle. Um, And a lot of people get stuck thinking the same way. If you want your results to change, just start by changing the way you think. And what I see as your challenge and what I see as my challenge is people who want to serve, people who want to impact, people who want to help, is really you're not teaching them the subject. You are teaching them the subject, like learning about nutrition for you or maybe learning about how to perform better in sports or in baseball or whatever it is. You're really changing the way people think about things. And that goes with how do you shift the way someone thinks, but then how do you shift their environment? And I remember my sister going through this in college. My dad, uh, she had college roommates and this and that, and some were great and some were not. And she'd complain about it all the time. I remember the phone being on speakerphone and she'd be complaining about her roommates and this and that. And my dad gave her this lesson and I was like, whoa, that's that's good stuff. He goes, why don't you just change your the environment within yourself rather than trying to change the environment that you're living in? And I was like... And he drops these nuggets like all the time. Like my dad is like incredible. He just drops these nuggets all the time that he just thinks are like off the top of his head. And uh, he's like, just try to change the the environment that's going on within your own system and the way you're thinking rather than trying to change all these people around you. And I really believe that's where we get the biggest shift in our results is having the ability to kind of shift the way we think about things. Um, And then that's a skill though. You know, and that's a skill we have to acquire. And I know you've been through levels of adversity in your life at a really young age um, where you were dealt a tough hand and your mind was probably manipulated at a young age. And having the ability to kind of break those chains and, and start to shift new patterns is probably why you've been able to adapt and succeed in kind of whatever you've chosen to succeed in. Um, so I think that's, that's your unique ability. More so than like the surface level. I think the duck thing, the duck analogy is like the nutrition, the YouTube, <laughs> all the all the food, the the Instagram, this that it all looks good. you know it's really good stuff. There's nothing wrong with it um, in, in that regard, but the the feet paddling underneath is like your brain trying to change the way you think. And that's the way I see it. When you explain that analogy and I know you and I know your quality of your business and the quality of the content that you put out and who you're helping, that's the nice duck. But like you knowing where you want to be in 10 years or knowing what you want to do or how you want to do it or like, man, I got to change this internally or I want to see this effect. That's the paddling of the feet. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. Totally. And it's the little feet that are like kicking
1: away the alligator underneath the water, you know, just like doing whatever you can, kicking away the little things that are trying to bite and come at you and things like that. And, you know, I think there's a a level of that that's true with a lot of successful people, right? It's having the like pleasure of being able to like work with some really Top performing people, some high performing military personnel, A-listers, various people that kind of have a similar thing. It's like a special forces operator is a great example of someone that is like they have to be almost like stoic and like perfect. But there's a lot of this that comes out when their time is up, when they're mm. when they're out, right? Where it's like then everything comes piling on. And I know countless operators that are just like psychological messes afterwards because they've they've had to bottle things up or they're really good at putting on a game face, right? And the same kind of thing happens in Hollywood too. It's like people see the lights and everything that's perfect and the perfect hair and the perfect makeup and uh, oh, the perfect life. They don't always understand like, like sometimes to get to where people are in a given position, it's usually a very interesting story that God mm. gets in there in the first place. And it's definitely that way with a lot of athletes too. You see it with a lot of you know, young kids that are, you know, growing up in the hood and like, it's like, seriously, like they had a rough life and like sports were their way of having like a safe outlet. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, like sometimes it doesn't always go the way like they'd hope, but at the same time, like sometimes it's that same internal drive that allows them to navigate and allows them to be able to like be malleable. Mm -hmm. Uh, what is it that, um, I can't remember. Is it, I can't remember the quote and I don't want to butcher it, but I think it might've been like a Darwin quote, but it was either way. It was still something that was along the lines of like, it's not about being resistant to change. Like being able to grow is about being able to adapt. Like any form of a new iteration of yourself isn't because you like, you learned something and learned to block something out. It's because you learned how to grow and adapt and still thrive with it. Mm. Right. And like, so being able to be malleable is not like an even wishy-washy, Like people throw this around. Like if you change your mind or if you're wishy-washy on something that you don't have conviction, there's a very big difference between conviction and being able to change your mind. Like for me to be able to say like, okay, carbs are bad and I'm going to live that way with conviction for the rest of my life. Like one group (laughs) of people might say like, that's a strong-minded person and I admire him because he's unwavering in his ways of thinking. But is that really a strong-minded person that isn't able to actually like take a step back, look at all different sides? really figure out, well, Hey, like maybe there's more to it than just this. And like, maybe I should change my mind on that. Like being able to be vulnerable and being able to like, that's a hugely
0: important piece. Yeah. That's real strength. I think that's real strength because you're, it's harder to entertain both things. It's easier to be the guy that's like, carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. Carbs are bad. And that's why people don't grow. That's why people don't change. That's why people don't adapt. And that's why they just keep living in the life that they're living in and nothing gets better. And I had a, I had an interesting experience. Like I, I uh, this past week before Thanksgiving, hung out with a bunch of friends, good guys, but guys that I hadn't really seen. And I felt uh, I felt interesting about it because it wasn't good or bad. I was neutral about it, but I didn't feel connected with any of them. And partly that's because of me because I didn't. I was so focused on what I've been doing for the last four or five years that maybe I didn't reach out to them. But the people that I was friends with, you know, six seven years ago. I don't really identify with them as friends. Like they're cool people and love to hang out with them, but they're not like my friends. Like my friends is is a weird mix up of people of all different ages, people that challenge me, people that love me, people that uh, are there for me. Those are like my friends and they come in all different shapes and sizes. And all these guys that are 25, 26 that I spent so much time hanging out with, I felt disconnected. Like I didn't feel connected with them. And And partly because like, I have changed, like I, I have changed the way I think, like I've changed the way I act and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing from anyone's perspective, it's the truth. And you know, that the adaptation I think is, is good. Like we need to continue to adapt. We need to continue to grow. And if you have so much conviction that you're not willing to change, then nothing's ever going to improve. Yeah. And so for you, like where, where do you grow next? Like you've, you've dominated um, you know, to this point in, in your world of people, you know, you, you talk to the, the highest level people, whether it's the Hubermans or the Tia's or whoever these guys are, and you're, you're of the circle, you're of authority in that space. And, you know, everyone who goes on the internet is looking for you or the next guy, you know, that your acquaintances are, um, for you internally, since you're kind of at like the top of your game, what's, what's next for you?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's much less of like hey, this is what you eat, this kind of hack thing and much more about how do we change our environment just like your dad said, like how do you whether it's your own internal environment or your physical environment, right? I think about like okay, I spent so many years trying to talk at like a high level to be able to educate people on biochemistry and whatnot. Now I challenge myself with how do I change the world by talking like I'm talking to a first grader. Mm. How do I make the complex things, not just in nutrition, but in life, in policy in things that matter. And how do I make people understand it so that they can actually make better decisions? Because at the end of the day, like our decisions that we make dictate the direction that the world goes. And I don't want to be Mr. Big Boss Man that comes in with like my magic stick and tries to change the world. I would rather be the guy that subtly influences people's behavior and environments to the point where they change the world without even realizing they changed Mm. the world. And that's what really, in my opinion is a leader. Like you're not just sitting here saying like, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. Like you're getting your hands dirty with (laughs) them and you're actually able to change the environment. Yeah. Yeah. And having young kids has helped me with that. Like, I'm not going to explain to my son, like what a saturated fat or a polyunsaturated fat is doing to his cell membrane. Like when I'm trying to teach him how to eat, like (laughs) I'm like, what good is that going to do to him? Right. Yeah. And like, for most people, most people, it's going to be a similar situation. They may not be six years old, but they may be like, dude, I don't know what's happening at a cellular level and I don't care, but I will be able to actually say, Hey, like, let's break this down in a way that you understand. And it's not going to be about saturated fat. It's going to be about, you know, the environment that you're in. So much so that people actually want to make a change because they feel like it's in the best interest of themselves, not because it's like, Hey, I want to lose weight or Hey, I need to look good in this bathing suit. I need to look good on this trip. It's really about like, just, Hey, I want to change my environment. And with that, every decision that they make has a trickle down effect on every other person they touch and impact.
0: Yeah. So it's more about, it's more about kind of helping those people come to their own conclusions rather than giving them the answer. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: I've spent a lot of my career giving people the answer. Yeah. And I've realized that all that that has done is actually, this is going to sound bad, but it's made people entitled. Sure. It's made them think yeah. that they can just come to me for an answer. Sure. Yeah. And it's not just me. It's the Huberman's it's everyone yeah, else. and yeah. Everyone's going to come to that same conclusion where like you've just become a resource Yeah, and people, people will tell me like, Thomas, they really like care about you. They care about what you think. The analytics don't lie. Like when I go into stuff that's like about like my type of life and stuff like people don't really care. They want a solid answer. answer. They want yeah, my the answer.
0: analytics are kind of telling you yeah. how people feel now. That's, um, have you ever heard the term passive compliance? Yes. Yeah. That's yep. one that I love, especially for my athletes. Um, but it's so like all this stuff that I talk about. And even when I say for my athletes, like it's so applicable, Yeah. like it's so applicable. It's easy. I use the mechanism of sport to learn. Right. And we love the details and the nitty gritty of the sport and what we need to eat and how we need to train and how we need to throw and to create that peak performance. But like the, the characteristics that are used and and the routines and the habits and all those things could be applicable to any, any endeavor. And uh, what I tell these guys is, you know, be careful if you're partaking in passive compliance, because just because someone's in a voice of authority, doesn't mean that they have the authority over your decisions and you could be in a place of authority with all the credibility and everything, you know, and the resources and the people you've worked with and down the list that could go, but make sure that you're coming to the product of your own conclusion in terms of what you're saying. Like I got to do my own homework and understand like what, what I need to do. And so many times people miss that step. Oh, he said it, I'll do it. And that's so dangerous because now, yes, you're becoming entitled, but on a deeper level, you're becoming reliant. And like when you're so reliant on someone else and something else, you've lost your power. You've yeah. lost your control. And I think that's the big thing is like, hey, where do I grab my authority back? Where do I grab my personal authority back? And your mature way of you know saying, hey, in this next phase of my life, in this next 10 years, maybe we could break it down and say like, I want to just kind of help people understand that the way that they're thinking about things and I don't want them to be the one to wave the wand and, and say that I'm changing their life. Like I want to just kind of facilitate to them and uncover it to them, not tell them just uncover it and allow them to kind of make the decisions to, to change those around them yep. and themselves. And that's going to take a lot of creativity um, because in the coaching world, it's really easy to have the answers and the coachisms. It's why they're so prevalent with so many coaches in this world. Coachisms, um, trust the process. They're they're all right. There's nothing wrong with it, but they're not uncovering any of this stuff. They're just giving it to them. And so people digest it and then they want more and nothing is being changed. Like no changed behavior is happening. It's you have answers. I take answers, do what I can with them, then go back to answers. Yep. Rather than saying, hey, how do I figure this out myself? How do I change the way I think about this? How do I make the choices for myself? And then I'm going to go help someone else do it. That's what, I think that's where we really connect on a deep level.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you think about like, look at like people consuming. It's like consuming a motivational piece of content is yeah. a perfect
0: example, right?
1: Yeah. Like eventually, <laughs> like like you're doing that for a dopamine hit. You're not yeah. doing that because you're actually wanting to change behavior. Yep. And like, I find the only way that I change behavior is with pure, like usually solitude and Mm -hmm. quiet. Like if you're being influenced to change your behavior, be hard pressed to
0: really like have it be a lasting change. I I say it's like a candy bar.
1: Yeah, totally
0: is, man. You know, education over motivation. Yeah. Like education over motivation all day.
1: Yeah. You can, you could, you could, you could look at an Instagram reel and get some motivation and it might give you a little bump, a little bump to like get into the gym that day. But, you know, is tomorrow is tomorrow. It's going to be two reels and then three reels and then three <laughs> reels and some pre-workout. And then like, a binge. you know, if you don't just yeah. got like an old special forces, like buddy of mine, he was a former uh, command sergeant major in the army, at, uh, one of the special forces groups. And, you know, he like is adamant about like, he won't even work out with music. He won't like, he, yeah. he, he, he literally calls it cheating. Like he's totally a, a tough ass with it. And I don't necessarily take it to that degree. Like I like having my music and stuff, but like his whole point is like, like lower your dopamine baseline.
0: Yeah. Get yourself to do it. Get
1: yourself to do it. Yeah. Because then like, you know, some really lasting words that are really important. You know, you never rise to the occasion. You default to your lowest level of training. Mm. And like, so no matter where your work ethic is, like you're never going to get yourself to this point where like the times that you rise to an occasion when like the shit hits the fan, They're going to be few and far between. You can probably count them on like one hand in your entire life. But most of the time when you're stressed out and when stuff actually drops, you're just going to default to your lowest level of training. And if your lowest level of training is scrolling, looking at Instagram reels to get yourself through your workout, that is going to be what you default to when the stuff actually hits the fan and you actually have to rise to an occasion. That's going to be what happens. So where do you want your baseline to be? And that's where you need to change inside here because that's the only way that you're going to change your baseline. So if you feel confident enough and you have enough internal dopamine and internal motivation to be able to get into the gym and do it with no music, do it without your pre-workout, do it without scrolling Instagram, even if it's just occasionally, that is like a tangible piece of like changing your lowest level of training. Mm, It's
0: beautiful. That's great. Thank you, Thomas. I really appreciate that message and I would love to do this again with you sometime soon. Thanks, bud. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives.